0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to the MTY Food Group Inc. Q4 2021 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. Before turning the meeting over to management, please be advised that this conference call will contain statements that are forward-looking and subject to a, risk, a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those anticipated. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded on Thursday, February 17th, 2022. I would now like to turn the call, call over to Eric lefevre Chief Executive Officer, please go ahead.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our
2: 2021 fourth quarter results conference call. The press release and MDNA with complete financial statements and related notes, as well as the annual information form were issued earlier this morning, and are also available on our website as well as on CEDAR. During the call, we will be referring to forward-looking statements and to certain indicators that are non-IFRS measures. You can refer to our MDNA for more details. I also remind you that all figures presented on today's call are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise stated. After nearly two years of navigating through the COVID-19 pandemic, the incredible resilience of our franchise partners and staff made it possible for MTY to once again deliver robust financial results in fiscal 21, demonstrating the strength of its business model and the benefits of having a diversified portfolio of great brands. Those results were highlighted by recorded adjusted EBITDA and cash flows from operations of $168.6 million and $139.3 million, respectively, for the year ended November 30, 2021. Altogether, system sales improved 5% in 2021 to reach $3.6 billion, despite the adverse impact of foreign exchange rates, capitalizing on the momentum some of our brands gained during 2020, and on the opportunities offered by the growing appetite for online takeout or delivery ordering. All this while many of our brands are still in recovery mode following heavy restrictions resulting from the pandemic. Turning to our fourth quarter results in 2021, adjusted EBITDA increased 22% year-over-year to $42.8 million, mainly driven by a sharp increase in high-quality recurring revenue streams. Major brands, such as Cold Stone, Sweet Frog, Taco Time, Thai Express, and Sushi Shop, for example, continued to perform exceptionally well, while many casual dining brands recovered their 2019 sales levels and food court restaurants were getting gradually stronger. The network's overall scalability allowed margins to increase to 55% for the franchising division, highlighting the high quality of revenue generated in MTY's discipline when it comes to cost management. System sales, meanwhile, grew 8% in Q4, 2021, mainly due to a reduction of the impact of government imposed restrictions during the period, which led led to increased customer traffic in the most recent quarter. The casual dining concepts contributed $41.7 million to the increase, a surge of 36% year over year, despite still facing some restrictions. The geographical split of MTY system sales remained relatively stable compared to 2020, with 62% in the United States, 35% Canada, and 3% international. For the fourth quarter, these proportions were 57% for United States, 40% for Canada, and 3% for the United or international. Moving onto our network, we opened 60 locations and permanently closed 189 in the fourth quarter of 2021 for a net store loss of 129. NPY ended the fourth quarter with 6,700 19 locations, of which 6,603 were franchises, 93 were corporate and 23 were joint ventures. Although delays to open new locations have significantly increased due to supply chain disruptions and scarcity of labor, we are very pleased with the strong pipeline of future new locations to be opened by new and existing franchise partners in North America and internationally. Altogether, 259 locations were closed at least one day because of COVID related issues during the fourth quarter of 2021, which resulted in approximately 9,500 lost business days. Although this number has fallen to its lowest level during the pandemic, we expect this figure to increase in Q1 2022 due to additional government mandated restrictions that started in December 2021 in Canada. On the bright side, many governments have since announced plans to lift these restrictions in upcoming weeks, so the impact should be limited to the first quarter of 2022. The pandemic also had numerous side effects that are impacting our industry on a daily basis. NTY has not been immune to supply chain and labor issues, which are affecting many industries worldwide. We are proactively helping staff and franchisees mitigate supply chain constraints by introducing novel workarounds and pricing increases on menu offerings, while labor shortage issues are being addressed with a more global approach involving, in some cases, many reductions of streamlining, working with suppliers to provide products requiring less employee hours in the restaurant, rethinking operations, and has enhanced uh, training offered to our crew, etc. We expect these headwinds to persist in 2022, and further solutions are being looked at to address the situation. During the fourth quarter of 2021, NTY repaid a further $22.7 million in long-term debt bringing the total repayments for the year to 102.2 million and to 211.4 million during the last two years, despite all the turbulence that affected our business. These repayments bring our leverage to a very comfortable level, allowing us to repurchase NTY shares for cancellation, restore and subsequently increase the dividend paid to our shareholders, and aggressively pursue new positions. MTY's capital Strategy, our priority remains to find attractive strategic acquisitions to enhance our network and provide more opportunities to grow in the future. Aligned with our growth strategy, we pose the acquisition of Couteau Comptoir et a fast-growing chain of Tartar restaurants, following quartering. We will now turn the call over to Renee, who will discuss NTY's financial results in greater detail.
3: Thank you, Eric, and good morning, everyone. Let's start with our network. So as mentioned by Eric, in total, 259 locations were closed at least one day during the fourth quarter of 2021, which resulted in approximately 9,500 lost business days. Although this number has fallen to its lowest level during the pandemic, it still affected our recurring revenue streams and adjusted a the death. Although we had an increase in temporary closed locations during our first quarters due to additional government restrictions in Quebec, Ontario and the Maritimes, We are happy to report that currently we have 71 restaurants temporarily closed, a decrease of 11 since November 30th, 2021. We expect this number to further decrease over the course of the next couple of weeks as more of these government restrictions are lifted. In the fourth quarter of 2021, total revenues grew by 15% to 146.3 million, mainly due to the recovery in Canada from the onset of the pandemic's second wave and related government imposed restrictions in the same period of 2020. Franchising revenues in Canada improved 22% year over year to 33.7 million while food processing, distribution and retail revenues increased 40% to 34.6 million. As mentioned by Eric, the growth in the franchising segments comes primarily from recurring revenue streams, which we expect to continue to grow as restrictions are further lifted and the world adjusts to the new normal of living with COVID. In the U.S. and international, franchising revenues decreased 2% to $39.7 million, largely caused by a negative foreign exchange impact. Recurring revenue streams were in fact up 1800000 million year-over-year in the U.S. and international segments. What is promising is that although our recurring revenue streams increased by 6.3 million and 1.8 million for Canada and the US respectively during the quarter, our recurring controllable and non-controllable expenses only increased by 1.2 million and 0.3 million, showcasing the true cost management efforts we put into place and the continued positive impacts it is having on our results. Quarterly adjusted EBITDA increased 22% year-over-year to 42.8 million in the fourth quarter of 2021. The Canadian segment contributed 47% of total adjusted EBITDA in Q4 2021, representing a year-over-year increase of 5.8 million, while the U.S. and international segments contributed 53% of total adjusted EBITDA, accounting for a year-over-year increase of 1.8 million. We are extremely pleased with our overall franchising EBITDA margin of 55%, which not only surpassed our 2020 margin of 46%, but also our 2019 margin of 51%. For our retail processing and distribution segment, although we had a drop in our margins from 16% to 11% due to an increase in input labor and transportation costs, we are happy to report a revenue growth of 39% for the segment. Net income attributable to owners reached 24.9 million, or a dollar per diluted share, in the fourth quarter of 2021, compared to 20.1 million, or 81 cents per diluted share, for the same period last year. Now turning to liquidity and capital resources, cash flows from operations amounted to 31.9 million in the fourth quarter of 2021, compared to 44.8 million in the fourth quarter of 2020. Decrease comes mostly from an increase in tax installments made during the fourth quarter of 2021, as well as higher-than-normal collection of accounts receivable in 2020 due to the deferred royalties we provided earlier in that year. Free cash flows reached $35.6 million, or $1.44 per diluted share, in the fourth quarter of 2021, compared to $43.9 million, or $1.78 per diluted share for the same period last year. During the fourth quarter, we used cash to reduce reduce our debt by twenty two point seven million, paid out a dividend of eighteen point five cents per share, and repurchased thirty six thousand six hundred shares for a total consideration of two point two million under our NCIB program. Following the quarter end, we raised our dividend by fourteen percent to twenty one cents per share. This represents our ninth increase over the past twelve years when we first introduced dividends. At the end of the fourth quarter, long-term debt, mainly in the form of bank facilities and holdback on acquisition, stood at 347.6 million. We also ended the quarter with 61.2 million of cash on hand. And with that, I'll turn it back to Eric for the conclusion.
2: Thank you, Renee. So just a few takeaways before we open the lines for questions. First, MCY delivered solid financial results in the fourth quarter of fiscal 21 while still improving its balance sheet. Our balance sheet is in great shape and it's ready for potential acquisitions, large or small. Second, both staff and franchisees have responded proactively to pandemic related challenges along with global supply chain and labor issues. Our teams are doing a phenomenal job every day to keep the lights on and make sure our franchisees face as little disruptions as possible. Our sound growth strategy combined with a sustainable business model should generate stronger profitable growth as key end markets begin to reopen on a large scale basis in 2022. Finally, I'm pleased to report that NPY will publish its first ESG report during fiscal 22, highlighting our commitment to sustainability, diversity and good governance practices. We are currently in the process of laying the foundation for our ESG objectives, understanding where we're at and establishing priorities for the next months, years and decades. Our goal is to ensure our targets are measurable, tangible, and that we work on what matters most to the community we operate in, and the various stakeholders that are involved with NPY. Ultimately, it will allow NPY to integrate ESG considerations into our daily operations and strategic decision-making. In closing, I would like to sincerely thank our employees, franchise partners, customers, and suppliers for their ongoing support. With that being said, we will now open the lines for questions. Operator?
0: Thank you. As a reminder to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Our first question will come from Derek Lissaric from TD Securities. Please go ahead, your line is open.
2: Yeah, thanks and good morning, everybody. Congratulations on a a good quarter. I guess my first question is uh, impressive growth on the uh, on the distribution side. Maybe you can just talk about some of those drivers. I think in the MDA, in the MDNA, sorry. Um, you also said that the improvement is, is tied to uh to the higher restaurant sales. So I was wondering if you could talk to that and then finally, you know, what is the long-term
1: plan for this business in particular? Yeah, good morning, Derek.
2: Um yeah, on, on the distribution side, uh, you know we have two small distribution centers that that serve two of our brands, uh, Van and the other one is Casagrande. So Casagrande, obviously, uh, in Q4 of this year was doing better than the year before, so that that helped uh, a great deal with uh, growing the distribution revenue. Uh, but that being said, that segment also has the retail revenues in it, and also has the manufacturing revenues in it, and and uh, most of the increase you see, obviously, Casagrande has caused a substantial amount of the growth but retail is also a segment that's very strategic for us um so so a portion of the growth you're going to see in the future is going to come from retail more than more than the distribution so yeah retail is is a key strategic um component for us of our growth Uh, we believe that there there's a really good market for branded products high quality products that that we uh that we can sell to the the, uh, end customers that might not be visiting restaurants um so we'll push on that for sure in the future. Okay. No, that's helpful, Eric. And and one, one more and and I'll recue. Um uh, on your digital sales, I was just wondering if you think if the
1: if this sales opportunity um has peaked for you. I mean the uh, the revenue was, was pretty flat um year over year. Yeah,
2: no, certainly not. Uh we in the U.S., we're 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 still investing in in new technologies. To, um, for example, at Papa Murphy's, we're investing heavily in, in new technologies to to drive more digital. Uh, we believe that digital is the way of the future, uh, n- not only because of the skip-the-line aspect of it, but uh, more so with the amount of time customers are allow you know could, you know have at their disposal if they decide to. Uh, go digital, we can look at the menu, spend a little bit more time on it, and uh, maybe buy different things. Uh, so we'll, we'll certainly push on digital. Uh, Papa Murphy's investing uh, for a lot of our brands in the U.S. We are, uh, you know, with Kahala, uh, we have a number of our brands also where we're changing certain aspects of, of the digital, digital world, um, you know, marketing, loyalty, um, online ordering. And then in Canada, it's still... A, untapped uh, potential for us. So uh, we have um, basically uh, undone everything we've done in the past because we wanted to start over in Canada for the most part. Uh, So that happened in November, and now we're relaunching uh, digital and online ordering opportunities for a lot of our brands. Uh, So we're still working on the kinks here, but uh, I think in the next few months you're going to see a little bit more marketing around this, and there's certainly – very large opportunity. Uh, and then one of the aspects that's really interesting is to look at uh, the amount of our digital sales that are coming from aggregators versus the ones that are coming from our own platforms. Um, and in the U.S., you're looking at about a third of our orders coming from aggregators and two-thirds coming from our own platforms, which is really a desirable mix. And in Canada, it's about the opposite. Uh, so a lot more coming from aggregators, which is a lot less profitable, and about a third coming from our own platforms, which is you know the segment that we want to push, so it tells us that there's 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 ways to grow in Canada, and uh, the fact that we're now investing in the right technologies, um, and that the brands
1: have the capabilities to really expand on that, I think is really promising for the future. Thanks for that, Eric.
0: Our next question comes from Michael Glenn from Raymond James. Please go ahead, your line is open.
1: Hey, Tom, thanks for taking the question. So, maybe just to start, uh, Eric, with things transitioning to a more normalized environment, how do you think about where your corporate SGA sits and where you would like that level to be?
2: Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, I think in terms of SGA, we're pretty much where where we're going to be. Uh, we obviously, like every other company, have a number of vacant positions that we need to fill. Uh, but unfortunately, I think for every position we fill, we're going to have another one that we're going to need to fill. So I think SGNA is probably at the right level now. Well, there's pluses and minuses here that, that go, you know, there's a certain portion of it that's not necessarily controllable. Um, but you know, I think now would be a good baseline for
1: the SG&A. Okay. And then. Your balance sheet, it looks like you're sub two times net deficit debt. Uh, maybe correct me on that if I'm not right. Um, what, what is, is there something specific out there that's perhaps holding up M&A for MTI, or is it, is it a more competitive market? Is it, is it the opportunity set? Just trying to gauge what's happening there.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit of everything you mentioned. Uh, certainly our balance sheet is not holding uh, MPY back in terms of acquisitions. So I think we need to see the deal flow uh, become a little bit more uh, dynamic. Um, and, and from the deal we've seen a lot of it is you know very large companies uh, owned by private equities that are in, in harvest mode now. And unfortunately you've seen some of the multiples that some of our, uh, some of our competitors have paid for for acquisitions, and MTY is not not we're, we're not playing in these in these types of acquisitions where where people pay over 25x for for a deal. So we're we're going to be a little bit more patient here. Um, we are seeing some movement in terms of deal flow. Um, so whether or not it it, it ends up in into opportunities for MTY, time will tell. Uh, but I think you know, among the factors, the multiples and the the competitive market is certainly one, um, especially for the larger deals. Uh, and then the deal flow needs to become a little bit more dynamic, but I have a feeling that this is starting to uh, to become a little bit more normal.
1: And if we're thinking about where M&A might be, do you have a preference right now between Canada and the U.S. for m
2: uh, no, we're very agnostic when it comes to M&A, uh, geography. I don't think we'd go overseas, necessarily, so we're we're happy with North America for now. Uh, but, yeah, there's plenty of opportunities. I think, naturally, there's going to be more deal flow uh, in the U.S., just, just because of how deep the market is. Uh, but there are still good companies in Canada that, that we're also interested in, and if they ever become for sale, we'll, we'll certainly be listening. So... We're we're very agnostic when it comes to geography, but uh, I think naturally the U.S. will will become a little bit bigger just because of the depth of that market.
1: Okay. Thanks for taking the questions.
0: Our next question comes from John Zamparo from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open
1: thank you very much good morning um i wanted to start with the the impact of labor shortages and, and the
2: supply chain that you referenced eric and, and beyond the stores that were closed um solely because of government restrictions can you quantify the impact of reductions to operating hours from from staffing shortages in the quarter and, and subsequent to it is, is this is this being a drag on system sales yeah for, for sure it's a drag uh, there's no question about it it's really hard for us to quantify it uh, we don't always know, uh, and, and sometimes we we find out after the fact that you know uh, operating hours were reduced, or uh, you know a day or two uh, was closed during a certain week, or uh, labor shortages are, are everywhere. They're affecting our suppliers, they're affecting our distributors, they're affecting even construction of restaurants. Uh, so so we're seeing it a little bit everywhere, but to quantify the impact would be tough. Uh, I mean, we even had situations where. You know our franchisee and, uh, is, is short of staff, and uh, they have to work all the hours. They catch COVID, and they, they have nobody else to open the store, so they need to close for a week. Uh, so we've had quite a few of those. Um, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily speculate on how much it, it represents, but I can certainly uh, say for sure that it's it's a drag on
1: system sales. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks. Um, I appreciate the disclosure on, on the different restaurant types uh, year over year. I was wondering if you can say where casual restaurants and malls and office towers are uh, versus Q4 2019, even if just approximately, just to, to get a sense of how those are faring versus pre pandemic.
2: Yeah, well, well, the good news is for casual dining, and not all of our concepts, but many of them have recovered 2019 levels uh, or even exceeded them. Uh, unfortunately, we had to. Um, you have to suffer more uh, more closures and more restrictions in, uh, in Q1 for, for Quebec and Ontario and, and, and Atlantic provinces, but it, it's really encouraging to see that our our franchises have been able to you know, find staff and, and find a rhythm to be able to operate and, and, and generate sales, and before we had to close again in, uh, in December, uh, the sales were for a lot of our concepts uh, exceeding 2019. Now that's not that's not for all our concepts. That's not all for all our restaurants. Uh, if we're in major urban centers, for example, uh, workers and, and you know Christmas parties haven't recovered. Uh, but for for a lot of our concepts, it's really positive. Uh, when it comes to uh, malls and, and food courts and office towers in general, uh, that, that's still a struggle. Uh, the sales are creeping up, so we're we're going in the right direction, and we're certainly. Uh, making leaps and bounds uh, with, with pretty large numbers in terms of increases, but we're still way short of, of 2019. Uh, the traffic hasn't recovered. A lot of these are located in major urban centers, again, that are dependent on, on lunch hour for for uh, office workers or for tourists, uh, and, and we just haven't recovered that yet. So uh, we still have a little bit of, 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 we still have a little bit of trouble. Uh, with, with these uh, situations, but we're also going in the right direction, and if we're, if we're getting better every month, uh, I think we'll, we'll eventually recover 2019 and exceed it, but uh,
1: there's there's still a little bit of ways to go. Okay. And and as a follow-up to that, we um, did see an elevated level of
2: closures in the quarter, and that was disproportionately uh, skewed towards uh, office towers and and food courts and malls, and I'm wondering when you have conversations with these franchisees, um do you get a sense that 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 elevated closure level could sustain in twenty two because of the roll off of subsidies or or is there a level of confidence that that these franchisees actually have relatively healthy operations and and can keep uh, operating even without the subsidies? Yeah, for, for the vast majority of our franchisees, financially, they're doing well. Um, I think that the mental strain of opening and closing is, is probably more difficult than the financial aspect. Um, so, so, yeah, the closures are related to a number of different uh, you know, different items that happen. It's, it's really case by case, but uh, I, will, I will say in terms of closures, Q4 is always a little bit heavier than, than the other quarters historically. Uh, so we always have a little bit more. Uh, you know, our seasonal uh, frozen treats, for example, will tend to close after the summer if they have to close. Uh, so we've lost a few there. Uh, we also, uh, you know, unfortunately, we have one of our partners internationally that's uh, that's not doing well financially. They've gone insolvent. The so we have a certain number of closures that are related to to so that partner. You know, they all happen at one time, at the same time. So it, it looks like a bigger number. Uh, And and there's also a pretty thorough review we did in Q4 of our um, temp-closed locations uh, because we wanted to see that after nearly two years of pandemic, these temp-closed locations, are they ever reopening? And there were some adjustments there where we found out that some of these restaurants will not reopen. So even though we had hope and uh, even though our franchise partner kept saying, uh, that they were going to reopen, there, there were a certain number of them that, uh, after discussion, uh, we we come to the conclusion that they are not going to reopen. So there was a certain adjustment there, also, in terms of which store we believe will reopen and which store we believe won't. Uh, and obviously, those I don't expect to um, to carry into 2022. So I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen in in the future, but uh, I do expect that this uh, very high number of quotas it's going to be more at one timer than something that's going to re- uh, reoccur in the future.
1: Okay, that's great, Color. And then the last one for me, uh, a follow up on, on a prior question. I wonder how you think about the leverage ratio uh, with the balance sheet where it
2: is, and, and in a period where you're seeing maybe lighter M&A deal flow and higher valuations um and then you take a pause on, on MA versus what you've done in the past. Would you lean more on the NCIB and do you have a target uh leverage ratio in mind? Yeah, well, you know, the, the target ratio uh, right now we're comfortable with uh with our debt. We we we'd like to have acquisitions and add a little bit more. Uh not because we like debt, but because we'd like acquisitions um so we're very comfortable uh, where we are so we did we did uh, continue to acquire shares of of mpy after year end so you, you saw that uh, we have a, we have a small number in november and we continued after after november so we did buy back shares we increased our dividend uh, but in terms of capital allocation uh, at the moment the priority is really to find good uh good strategic acquisitions that we can really make a difference uh for MPY and for for the franchise partners, so uh, yeah, we we would like to add leverage in the right circumstances uh, for acquisitions.
1: Um, so that's that's top priority for us. Okay, I appreciate the call. I'll pass it on. Thank
0: you. As a reminder, to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Our next question comes from George Dumais from Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is
3: open.
1: Yeah. Hey, hi. Good morning, guys. Um, how did Papa Murphy uh, do this quarter, Erica, on a year-over-year basis? Um, and if I ask you to maybe look at your crystal ball, uh, do you think we've seen the toughest of the comps from that banner, or, or do you maybe think that they're coming up? Yeah. My, my crystal ball is pretty muddy, uh, George. So I don't trust
2: it much. <laughs> but... Uh, Yeah, Papa Murphy's did better in in Q4 than it did in Q3. Um, So pretty reasonable Q4, comping against um, very difficult numbers, but in general, uh, comping well. A little bit off of 2020 levels, um, but in general, uh, comping uh, well. Now, uh, you know, the only thing I can say is that Q1 returned to more uh, you know, Q3 levels, so or our Q1 at the moment is a, is a little bit more off than, than we'd like it to be. Uh, but have we seen the worst? Uh, I hope to think. I, I hope we we've seen the worst. I think we have a lot of good stuff in in store for Papa Murphy's. Um, you know, there are uh, things that have, that are happening in the markets that, that we don't control. Uh, But I I do believe that we're doing the right thing for this brand, and I'm I'm pretty bullish about the future. So uh, I won't won't read uh, into a week or a month or even a quarter uh, whether the brand is doing well or not. I'll I'll evaluate the performance of the team over a longer period of time. Uh, We're not off by numbers that are, you know, causing uh, very big uh, concerns for us so uh, it's not, it's not like we were off double digits or something so we're, we're, we're not anywhere close to that uh, so doing the right things keep uh, trust the process and, and make sure you, you do everything right and everything you can and uh, and the rest will happen and uh, you know we, we just we just need to keep plugging and, and,
1: and figure it out Okay, I saw some activity in the corporate stores in the banner. So, can you even talk a little bit about where we are in terms of selling those or franchising those?
2: Yeah, we franchised a large number of corporate stores in the last few months. So, we we have we have a few pockets of corporate stores left for that brand, but we don't we don't have that many. If you remember when we acquired the brand, we had over 100 corporate stores, and we're not anywhere close to that now. So we franchised some, some really good markets. Uh, Minneapolis was the latest, um, with over uh, over 25 stores uh, being franchised at one time. Uh, so we're really happy to, to have this new franchise partner in the, in the, in the MTY family, and uh, we're, we're going to work with them to, to do the best we can. And now the few markets that we have left are markets that are uh, a little bit more difficult. Uh, so we're, we're going to work hard to turn them around and uh, make them franchisable.
1: Okay, that's helpful. And on your commentary about the, I guess, store location that you have accelerated a little bit, Um, can you comment a little bit on
2: the temporary closed locations? I think there's, there's a smidge over 70 there. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, the likelihood, I guess, that both can close over the near term or any
1: commentary there?
2: Yeah, well, the temporary closed locations are uh, I mean, they're, they're not many. So now they're 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 getting easier and easier to track. A, a large number of those are, for example, movie theaters in Canada, um, and and we do expect those to reopen at some point. Uh, but I, I guess uh, the owners of movie theaters are are waiting for the next blockbuster, or or they're waiting to be able to operate at full capacity. I'm not sure exactly uh, what's happening there and and how their restaurants are performing, but. Uh, there, there's a large number that are related to, to movie theaters. Um, there's also a number the, that are related to, uh, for example, if you, uh, you're familiar with Toronto, uh, you know restaurants that are in the past where the past is, is supposed to be really busy at the moment. It's not that busy. Uh, so we have some there. Uh, so, so major urban centers where, where you'd find you know, normally uh, a lot of tourists and a lot of office workers that are just not present at the moment. Um, so, so those make up the, the bulk of our uh, temp closed locations. Uh, and after very thorough review, we do believe that the ones that are temp closed at the moment will reopen, and we're working with our franchise partners to, to get that done. Uh, so so yeah, we're, we're pretty optimistic about the ones that are left. Okay, and free cash flow conversion has been jumping around quite a bit, Eric, I guess, um, in, in fiscal 20 and fiscal 21. Um, but if you were to look at this year, um, how should we think of, of conversion uh, from, I guess, from you out got free cash, is that kind of more, more normalized? Or even
1: you can maybe provide that?
2: Yeah, well, free cash flow conversion has been really high in the last two years. Uh, I, I think probably uh, more than normal. Uh, you know, normally you, you'd have your EBITDA and then you pay your, your interest on in the debt and, and the normal rate of, of income taxes, and that, that should be pretty much our free cash flow conversion for MPY because we don't, we don't have much capex at all. Uh, and, uh, and in the past few years, in the past two years, we, we've paid less in taxes, we've really optimized the working cap. Uh, so uh, maybe, maybe numbers are a little bit higher than they should be uh, in terms of percentage conversion. Uh, we'll probably go back to normal, I guess, in 22. Um, so the number should be a little bit lower than, than what we experienced recently. Okay, just one last minute before I go. On on general and M&A, have you noticed the gap between acquisition multiples in Canada and the U.S. maybe widened um, more than usual? Um, and
1: maybe as a result, should, should we expect maybe a higher cadence of smaller deals in Canada? Just your thoughts there.
2: Well, for, for a certain period of time, the spec market was really hot for restaurants, so so the the expectations of multiples became really high in the U.S., um, I think now that the stock market is not completely dry, but I think it's uh, it's, it's a little bit closed down, closed down on, on you know restaurants. So uh, I think the multiples are going back to multiples that are well, to you know, uh, numbers that are a little bit closer to historical averages. Uh, so yeah, there, there's always been a, a certain gap between U.S. and Canada, uh, but it's not it's not not different than it was historically I think the gap is more where in terms of the size of the deal where you know the smaller deals will command normal multiples and the larger the deal the larger the multiple is going to get because private equities are getting more excited and then we've seen some going for over 20 times EBITDA uh, the size was gigantic uh, but 20 times EBITDA is also really impressive. Uh, so I think the larger the deal uh, the higher the multiple regardless of geography at the moment. So, uh, I think I think we're going back towards normal
1: levels, except for very large deals. Okay, thanks.
0: Our next question comes from Sabat Khan from RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
1: Okay, thanks, and good morning. Um, just a commentary earlier around some pricing that you took.
2: I guess, you know, what did you find the net impact to be? Uh, Consumers generally accepting a price in this environment was there any surrounding traffic at all? Any comments on maybe different trends that banner when you took pricing? yeah and and yeah we we do take pricing we we have taken pricing in in last year, and we are taking pricing at the moment as well um so uh, it's, it's it's something we can't avoid unfortunately, and our competitors are are seeing the same thing so. It's hard to to know exactly uh, the impact of pricing on traffic because there's there's so many other factors that are at play, especially at the moment with COVID and restrictions and the new variants and, and government saying one thing one day and saying a different thing the next day. Uh, it's, it's hard to really isolate the impact of pricing on traffic. Uh, so so obviously customers, you know prefer low prices, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly one of them. Uh, But I think customers at the moment expect the price to go higher. Uh, We are taking price the same way everybody else is taking price, so it doesn't necessarily uh, mean anything in terms of our competitive positioning because everybody's taking very similar price increases. So I don't believe the decline in traffic related to pricing is, is, is really material. Uh, I might be wrong, again, uh, it's hard to measure with, with everything that's going on at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I think customers are expecting pricing, and you go, you go to the grocery store, you see the prices go through the roof, you go pretty much anywhere, uh, and the inflation is really important. So restaurants are no different, and I don't think the impact on traffic is so material at the moment. Okay, oh, great. And then this, on the M&A, there's quite a bit of discussion on this earlier, but you know, just in terms of the volume of deals, is it, you know, relative to what you may have expected a little while ago, Just is there just a generally less um, deal activity in the space? Do you think it's because, you know, restaurants are generally faring better coming out of the pandemic than maybe we would have thought? Just a comment on the volume of activity across North America. It's starting. It's starting to get back to normal. Um, for a while, it was really quiet. Um, you had you had these these restaurant operations that did really well that wanted to ride the wave a little longer, and you had these restaurant operations that really struggled that didn't want to go for fire sale prices. Uh, so so everybody was just sitting on their assets. But I think now the deal flow is going back towards something a little bit closer to normal. Um, so pretty optimistic about the future. Obviously. Uh, there's no guarantees that we're going to be able to, to make deals, but we're certainly happy to see deals flow and to have discussions with uh, with owners and bankers about, uh, about potential acquisitions.
1: Great. Okay. Thanks very much for the call.
0: Our next question comes from Michael Glenn from Raymond James. Please go ahead. Your line is open.
1: Hey, Eric, as you, as you think about the past and your franchisee recruitment network, like the desire among uh new franchisees to come in and open new restaurants, like how would you characterize that? Has there been a change there? Do you see a strong demand in the past? Do you think it could be improved like how, how would you think about that
2: yeah we're we're really happy with that in terms of not only in terms of new franchisee acquisition but also in terms of the desire of existing franchisees to open more stores um I think both are um uh, probably a close to historical highs that we've had. Uh, so the pipeline is really good. Uh, it's, it's a challenge now to uh, find good real estate at reasonable prices and, and to build the stores. You know, uh, it, it, you know, there are some some pieces of equipment that just don't exist on the market anymore, so we, we, we need to be patient. Um, so it takes time to convert a, a sale of a franchise into an existing store, where we used to, to have stores open and, you know, in three to six months now, we're we're talking about eighteen to twenty-four months in some cases. So, so it takes a lot longer. So, a lot of the sales um, and a lot of the new franchises that we've signed in even in 2020, uh, some of them are not even in the store yet, just because construction and, and real estate is a little bit more complicated. But we're we're really happy with where the pipeline sits, uh, and it's it, you know it's it's pretty good for the future.
1: And if we're thinking about this coming year, do you do you think that you can track closer to a net neutral type number on store openings and closures?
2: That's always our goal. Uh, you know, we I always said that we it's hard to control the closures. It's easier to control the openings. But at the moment, even the openings are hard to control because. You know, we have restaurants. there's an example now of a, of a restaurant, a casual dining restaurant that's ready to open and, and the HVAC equipment won't be available for another six months. So, I mean it's 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 hard to open without an HVAC system even though the restaurant is ready. Uh so, so even the, the openings are a little bit more difficult to control now. So we're always pushing to be net positive and that's that's been an objective of ours for a long time. Uh I think we'll we'll get there at some point. Uh, But when exactly that's going to
1: happen, I wouldn't be able to uh, to make a prediction on that. Okay. Uh, That's all served.
0: We have no further questions in the queue. This will conclude today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.